Are we on? Yeah. Oh, hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I just thought I'd sit here Sorry. quietly. I was uh, distracted looking at the dog, usual. Uh, Typical. Yeah. I just didn't know where he was, so I was checking. He's like, he's like putty today. He's just dripping off the couch. Yeah, he's been very uh, cuddly and quiet. Hello, Goose Chase fans. <laughs> fans? In People who subject <laughs> themselves to the torture that is this podcast. Yeah, right. Don't know why, but we're Wh- talking What is the name you. that you call them? What? Do I have a name for that? <laughs> or or you called us something. The goo- Oh, we're the Goosome Twosome. The Goosome Twosome. Yeah, we're the Goosome Twosome. What would the fan name be? I was calling them Goslings for a while, but I know you don't really like that. (laughs) (laughs) Which isn't really motivation for me to stop. Right. Yeah. I don't know. All right. I'm going to stick with Goslings until someone comes up with something better. Hello, Goslings. All right. (laughs) We're doing this on a Sunday morning, which is super weird, but super nice. Yeah. I'm drinking coffee, which means I'm going to be crazy. I'm also drinking coffee. Yeah, and it's going to bring you to a level of normality. I think it's really nice because we normally do this, you know, as people probably know, like on a Wednesday night at like seven or eight o'clock. But it's like after after work we've day. had our whole life for that day. Yeah, and we're it's the middle of the work week, which is just a shitty day. Yeah, and you know, there, it seems like Friday is forever off. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. This is this it's is nice a different to start energy. a morning with something we enjoy instead of having to force ourselves to do it because we just don't feel like doing anything. Right, because at this point in the day, I'm down for most things. It's really around like two or three o'clock that I'm like, I just want to get in my underwear and watch TV. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's that early for you? Yeah, right. <laughs> Sometimes I accidentally take my pants off at work and they go, oh my God, what am I doing? Well, when you're working from home, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. When I'm working from home, I'm almost never wearing you're, pants. You never wear pants. Not you- never. Rarely wear pants. Rarely wear pants. <laughs> the Dave Dragowski story. Uh, anyway. Um, couple things at the top. So <coughs> yesterday I got a message or saw a message from uh, Kirsten. Oh, my God. I love this. Who drew a great little like comic of us. Um, <laughs> it was a quote from an episode in which you were talking about. Geraldo, that that yeah, Geraldo, video of Geraldo, Geraldo naked. Yeah, that selfie where like basically his towel is just hanging off his dinger donger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's me with an incredulous look on myself saying, "Was there a reason for bringing up naked Geraldo?" And and you saying, "Did I need one?" <laughs> you know, what's funny is like I don't remember saying that, but that's that's I know you that I did. That yeah, I'm confident <laughs> that. Is an, I don't remember half the shit we say on here. Yeah, right. It's too much to actually recall. Yeah. When we started this podcast, I was like, this is great because this is an opportunity for me to learn a bunch of stuff and I'll have all this acquired knowledge. <laughs> I don't remember any of this junk, guys. Yeah. I've like, I'll tell someone that we did an episode on something and they'll be like, oh, yeah. What was it about? And I'm like, fuck if I know. Listen to the episode. You know, it really is. Doing this has been a bit of like a cautionary tale about the limits of human memory. Yeah, but it is all recorded. So mm-hmm. we can listen to ourselves, explain it to ourselves. But that said, there's things that like, OK, so I guess it's appropriate for us to talk about all this stuff as we're approaching episode 100. Mm-hmm. But like when I think back on like, for example, the CRISPR episode, mm-hmm. you explained a concept to me. That I could not understand, no matter how many places I read about it. There mm-hmm. was articles in Time Magazine and online, and I tried to figure out what they were doing with CRISPR, and you were the first 
person to explain it to me in a way that made sense. And that stuck. Yeah, I I think that it's really helpful. The fact that you and I, obviously, we have a lot of things in common, but there are different things that interest us and different things that we're good at breaking down. There's Mm -hmm. been episodes and ideas that I've put on the list that I was like, I want to know more about that. Mm -hmm. I don't have the capacity to do it myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I will get too frustrated and give up, or I won't know how to attack it and get frustrated. There's been so many episodes where you've come with, like, you went on a literal, (laughs) I guess not literal, but you went on a goose chase on the internet and found shit I would not have found. So I I think that's a benefit to this podcast is, like, even if it's just you and I telling each other things in a way that we wouldn't be able to get ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I I hope that comes through to the audience, too. The whole point of this is, like, you don't feel like doing a Google search? (laughs) Well, we did it. (laughs) Well, it's it's also, like, kind of weird because it's, like, Hey, here's a topic you didn't even know you didn't want to Google search. Right. And now we're going to Google search it for you. Like, that's yeah. a weird, that's a weird premise. Hey, you want to know what you probably don't care about yet? <laughs> well, it's not even, it's not even that you don't care about it. It's just right. like, it. there's always things that come up and you're like, oh, hey, I should look that up. That sounds interesting, but you never do or you forget about it or whatever. Yeah, just so if, the it's, call. It's a, a ephemera of the Internet. Right, so the call still stands. Whenever you have that thought, instead of forgetting about it, just message it to us yeah. and we'll add it to our list. Yeah, and we will waste our time for you. Yeah, um, I mean, I still find it fun. The so, truth is, I don't think there's anything we've done that has been totally useless. Mm-mm. Although my Cottingly Fairies episode probably won't uh, change. No, but the, it doesn't you know. have to be life-changing. <laughs> right. it, it was still fucking interesting. And the fact that they were able to manipulate photos that long ago in a semi-believable way is really rad. Yeah, that's true. Um, but back to the original point at hand, which was the Kirsten's drawing of us. So I wanted to pull yeah. it up so I can actually... Um, so you could describe it to people. Yeah. Well, it's me wrapped in a blanket, very accurate, with yeah. the headphones on. And so I say, what reason did you have for bringing up Naked Geraldo? <laughs> and Dave is saying, did I need one? Yeah. And it says, Goose Chase established 1795. Yeah, right. And uh, it's a really great design. <laughs> I, if I get her permission, I will post it on our page. Uh, so basically I think that looks a hell of a lot like me with, uh, basically without the glasses and the beard. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the face that you're making is a face you have made at me a a zillion times. Seriously. It's like bewildered and not quite disgusted, but on the way. Well, it's all you could tell from the quote. What reason did you have for bringing up naked, perfect. naked Geraldo? I don't think you could say that with any other expression on your face. No. <laughs> Especially, we're talking about Geraldo here. Of course. I mean, you just think of Geraldo and that's the expression on your face. The, the thing is, I don't know if I gave him credit enough in the episode, but he didn't look that bad. Oh, no. We talked at length about his okay. body. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it again. Do you want to do it again? Not really. I mean, it's like not that it isn't wrinkly. <laughs> But then it's it's pretty good for like a guy in his seventies. Geraldo's looking okay for a guy in his seventies. I don't want to talk I'm about it any further. I'm trying to drag further. you down this road. No, and you there's. Are not. I have like five more things I want to talk about in the intro up top here. We're All right, sailing okay. right past Geraldo. 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 The fuck is happening? Coffee. That's what's happening. Yeah, that is what's happening. Um, let's discuss the mystery dick. <laughs> 
just because it's really funny. So where did it go? Is it we, in here? You put it in that in that notebook. Put the mystery dick away. So <laughs> you put the mystery dick away. So we podcast in the basement. We have a little table set up and microphones attached to it and all this shit. And usually there's lots of flotsam and jetsam from the different podcasts that we do, notebooks and and pencils and Chris Brady's pipe shit, (laughs) (laughs) a random thing of guitar picks, some Carmex. (laughs) It's just a a hanger. It's just a dumping ground. What is happening on this table? This table is... uh, I'm in the middle of this story, and I just realized it's a fucking mess down here. I found half a peanut. You want a peanut? I want the other half of the peanut here, too. Look at that. There's a third half of that peanut. This... Now, Christy. (laughs) (laughs) That was the point. All right. Oh, there it is. Wow. This is a rare three-halved peanut. Mm -hmm. It's like a lucky four-leaf clover. So the point of that is that we usually have notebooks scattered around, and the Three Dudes podcast notebooks are the funniest because you guys just talk about silly junk for three hours <laughs> and write down my favorite segment is the what i learned because it's always the quick, random notes from the episode. quick notes of like the weird shit you said during the episode that you recap at the end yeah and i don't so, even remember what they are most of the time like, when I, I come across those like those always crack me up but a little bit ago someone was down here and saw this drawing it's like of a man's lower half with his <laughs> dick and balls out and it's the weirdest drawing of a penis it's, any of us have ever seen. It kind of looks like a flower or, I mean, definitely a mushroom upside down. But, like, it's very strange. And we don't know who drew it. How to describe. The balls are separate and squarish <laughs> almost. Yeah. The, the head of the wiener is like a like a bell pepper. <laughs> Um, We aren't people (laughs) who would not take credit for drawing a penis. The knees are even square somehow. And that is not any of our drawing styles. The the thing is, I don't know where this came from. There's also some cryptic notes that I don't understand. Yeah, we have no recollection of who did this or why they would have done, like, drawn it or... Or when it was from, even, or where it came but from. it's mystifying. It's, it's a mystery. We discuss it, like, once a week. <laughs> we It's been now, I think it's been about a week since we've been trying to figure out where this came yeah, from. Yeah, last week, you guys started discussing it. I brought it up again. I think it was just in If anyone notebook. knows where that dick came from. It could be anyone. <laughs> well, the world may never know. But I wanted to talk about it because it was weird okay. and in front of us. Um <laughs> Last night, I went to the Little Steel Derby Girl Spaghetti Dinner, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun, and I don't know if I've really explicitly mentioned it on the podcast, but I'm not doing roller derby anymore, mm-hmm. and thus, I am not doing their fundraising. Yeah. So, it was refreshing to go and support them and get to enjoy it and not have to plan the whole thing. It's a pretty and, great organization to support. You know, yeah. A lot of nice people, and... uh I, I still love them. The spaghetti they're, dinners are always They're fun all my too. friends. And they they put a lot into it. Mm-hmm. And and I know because I put a lot into it when I was doing it. Right. You I, know how much I know effort how it takes much, to yeah. do that. And um, everything looked great. They had a bunch of great baskets. Mm-hmm. You know, some people expressed concern that it didn't feel like there was 
as much or enough, but I was like, I looked at everything you guys put out there. There were baskets with really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And there were baskets that had a lot of handmade stuff in it. Like Coach Tony made stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, A.V. Steele does really great wood burning. She made a box with the little Steel Derby Girls logo on it oh, that she cool. wood burned onto it. There was like a soap in the, or maybe it was a candle in the shape of a roller skate. And oh, she made, cool. you know, those little calendars that are like the numbers aren't individual blocks and you just flip the yeah, block to the right. next number to say the date. Mm-hmm. Well, at the top it said bout day and there were little blocks with the numbers on it and a block with the months on it. Okay. So you could say like August 29th is bout day. You know, it was just really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, So that was a thing someone made. Someone made a tie-dye tapestry that they raffled. Um. Uh, Brickhouse made a bunch of stuff with her cricket and made like a mystery bag with that stuff in it. Oh, that's cool. Which like, if you don't know Brickhouse, you might be like, I don't know if I want a mystery bag. But if you know Brickhouse, you're like, I want a fucking mystery bag because she's great at the at using her cricket. Oh, and she makes really cool stuff. I see what you're saying. Like once you know that it's hers and you know who <clears throat> right. she is, like you know that there's something awesome in that mystery bag. Right. I, I put in a lot of texts for that and I did not get it. <coughs> but Rats. Uh, there was another thing that had a bunch of little steel derby girls like shirts and and swag and someone made an embroidery of like a roller skate and it was like super 1960s color scheme. I wanted that so bad. Mm. And afterwards I was even like, who made that embroidery? I will pay them to make me one. Nice. And I couldn't figure out who. But my point being, there might not have been as many things, which I honestly, I don't believe that. I think there were just as many as there have been in the past. Yeah. But the stuff they had in them was so cool and so many people participated and made things and put a lot of heart into it. And it was so nice to see that. And I wasn't stressed out in the process of it. Yeah, I got right. to actually enjoy it this year. You weren't running it. You were a guest. And that's yeah. nice. And um, the food was good. And mm. they like... They don't buy frozen meatballs and throw them in the sauce. Like, Juhas made meatballs for this. Like, and they were great. Everything was fantastic, and I'm so proud of them and happy that it went well. They had some people come who just, like, scroll Facebook and find random events to attend. They find a cause that they want to go to. They didn't know anyone on the team. They'd never been to about. But they, they went and dropped a bunch of money, and it went to a really great organization that i still love so that was fun to see and Mm -hmm. maybe the best part they did their certainly the best part they did their blackout basket yeah and they announced the winner of that that's a basket full of full-size bottles of liquor they announced that one last so Mm -hmm. i put in a bunch of tickets for other stuff i didn't get anything i was like oh okay i put in four tickets for the blackout basket yeah. And I fucking want it. <laughs> Which is so what, like a $20 value or something like that is what you put in? $5 a ticket, so yes. $20. So you paid 20 bucks for like 15 bottles of liquor or whatever the hell it is. Full-size liquor. <laughs> a bunch of whiskey, bottled tequila, a couple yeah. bottles of vodka. Yeah. Um, and even that special bottle of cold brew coffee and yeah. whiskey. Yeah. So lots of good stuff to try in there. So the, you know what it really makes me want to do? is finally build shelves from behind the bar. Yeah. Because with all that stuff, it just would be really, really nice to have it up on shelving where bottles of liquor belong <clears throat> behind a bar. Yeah. Um, 
We'll see. <laughs> we have so many projects. Yeah, right. <clears throat> we got a trillion projects. I don't know if, if we'll ever finish them all. But I just want to give a shout out to the little Seal Derby girls because I love them and I miss them. And I do plan <clears throat> on going to their bouts and yeah. and helping them out here and there. And it was a, a really great time last night. Thanks. And uh, you and I had some mead, which was fun. <laughs> I never know what you're going to pick to be the most notable things that happened over the Usually last Usually the weeks. most recent and the things I remember. Right. Because I don't, I should take notes throughout the week when mm-hmm. something cool happens, but I don't. Yeah. Um. But I had a good night last night. I worked all day, and usually that means I'm not going to have a great day. Yeah, right. But it went smoothly, and then I got to go to the spaghetti dinner, and I was in a good mood, and I got to come home and hang out with you and drink mead. Yesterday was a great day yes. for a number Talk of reasons. your day. Because like, you had a pretty good day at work, then won a bunch of shit, then came home, and we had a good time together. Plus, yeah. me, during the day, all I did was drink Natterday and smoke ribs. Yeah. And it fucking ruled. All I'm asking for is every day to win a giant basket of liquor and and come home and drink mead. Yeah, and for and, you and to he, have smoked ribs all day and feed them ribs. to me. Those were really good ribs. Here's the thing. They're our friend Scott's recipe, and the recipe is, like, dead simple. The thing is, he's told me this before. I, but it's hard to believe when you actually eat them because it doesn't tastes like it's simple this is what this is scott's that's what low and slow does this is like award-winning ribs to me is there's no sauce there's no need you take a a rack of baby back ribs you cover it in salt and pepper heavily you put it in indirect heat between 250 (laughs) to 300 to 350 to whatever uh in your smoker with some apple wood Mm mm-hmm for maybe four to six hours until it does the break where you pick it up like a third of the way with the tongs and it just kind of snaps. Mm-hmm. And then you wrap it in foil, put some butter on top and wait a half an hour. That's it. Done. Oh, you spray with uh, apple, apple cider, cider vinegar. vinegar. Yeah. Like every time you open it to check, you spray with apple cider vinegar. That's so easy. Yeah. Just doing that for like four to six hours. They were great. I, I'm thinking about them now. <laughs> I kind of wish I was we eating have more them right left. now. <laughs> I mean, you can, but everyone will hate that. It's so damned easy. It, they were really good. He and I'm glad. You can't ruin it. He's right. You can't ruin it. I'm glad it gave you, it was a good day for you. It was a great day. And you also watched a bunch of Marvel movies while yeah, you were Yeah, I watched, well, I at least watched one and a half Marvel movies or whatever. And mm. I uh, played some video games and. Uh, that sounds like a good day. Yeah, it was a really, really good day. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? So I. A couple more things on my list. Quick check-in. Okay. Um, so Dave and I this year and last year, one of our focuses was our, our mental health and, and trying to do something about it mm-hmm. instead of just, just being, being at its yeah, whim, you know? The, being at the mercy of it. <laughs> right. So um, we had both started medications last year. We both started Wellbutrin. And... Eventually, I I ended up going off Wellbutrin, which I didn't talk about on here because it wasn't doing anything for me. It wasn't hurting anything, but it wasn't helping anything either. And I didn't want to take a medication just to take a medication. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to get back into my doctor for reasons, but I eventually did and the other day and had a conversation with her. And she tried to figure out something else to put me on. So I've since started a new anxiety medication. <laughs> And it's only been a few days, so it's a little mm-hmm. early to tell. It's called weed. <laughs> uh, one can only dream. 
um, no. <laughs> it's called Christy is smoking weed. <laughs> it's called Buse Bar. Oh, okay. And in addition to oh god, okay, stop I'm just, it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Um, but basically, so far, it's been okay. I've had a couple little side effects. Like it makes me sleepy and a little bit like I, I can't even. It's not lightheaded and it's not dizzy. It's like a different feeling. But it, it's similar to those. Gosh, it almost sounds like you're describing alertness. No, 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 no. It's no. You know, it's like oh, it's like lightheaded, but without being lightheaded, it's like you're no. It's like you're it's, awake and feeling good. <laughs> no, it, it happens like twenty to thirty minutes after I take the medication, and it lasts maybe five to ten, and then I'm fine. Yeah. But it's almost like you're really, really sleepy. It's like you're nodding off, but you're not nodding off. But it's happening in your brain, and it's it's just a weird feeling. That is weird and creepy. It's like almost drowsiness, but I'm not really tired, and I can push through it. Like, But if I don't, if I was like, oh, man, this feels weird, and I went and lay down, I would fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's a strange feeling. But it passes, and I'm fine. And then sometimes that upsets my tum a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. That you know, all medications have side effects, and if it's worth it, you deal with it. Mm-hmm. If it's not too extreme, so so far it's been fine. Right, and I've I feel like it maybe has been helping with my anxiety a little bit. The, the feeling I've kind of had so far is like, and it doesn't sound like a good thing, but it feels good. <laughs> it feels okay it to feels me. Feels good, but it's like when when things that would trigger my anxiety start, or when I would normally overthink something. Yeah. My brain just kind of stops and is like, I don't really care. And it's not that I don't care about things. It's like just stopping that process of like caring too much about them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just like, "Mm, I don't have the energy to focus on that thing, to dwell on that thing. Like I want to do something else. Yeah, It kind of makes me want to shift gears, which is exactly what I need. So I don't just dwell on things that are inconsequential, um, which is part of what makes doing my job difficult sometimes is I just caught, get caught up on details and can't get past it. So mm-hmm. hopefully that continues and, and we'll see. Yeah. And then um, I just want to catch up on that because we make a point of discussing our our icky brains. Well, yeah, it's uh, I think just like. I don't know the nature of like how we do this show is we talk about a lot of stuff that's maybe maybe even too personal, but it's like I've discussed labia cysts. Oh my god. Why? <laughs> On like the second episode. Oh my god. Yeah. So the point the point I'm making is stuff like this is bound to come out, and it's kind of a big part of our lives, and you know, and like, yeah. Uh, part of doing the show is invariably like sharing about our lives so well and especially since there have been times that we don't do the show yeah because mentally we can't yeah no last wednesday yeah i I couldn't do it and i'm still kind of rebounding but yeah there are times when it's just incredibly hard to sit in front of a microphone and seem like a normal person (laughs) and the the thing is i firmly believe that you don't have to like Right. Sometimes you don't feel okay, and you don't have to pretend to feel okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just want to talk about it because that's what we do. Yeah. And then one oh, more thing, oh my God. and then I'm done. <laughs> so much, 
So much cat. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are thinking about getting a pupper <clears throat> for our pupper. It's been a long time coming. Yes, we're thinking of getting the dog pregnant. Uh, no. Yes, he's going to be a great mom. <laughs> he would be a great mom, <laughs> but um, he loves puppies. It's it's almost definitely time for him to have another dog around. Because yes. every time he does, he's a way happier dog. He's in heaven. He, he burns a ton of energy. He has a ton of fun. He's just better to be around when he's, you know, yeah. stimulated, you know. Our friends Matt and Claire have brought their puppy over and mm-hmm. he loves playing with that puppy. We do not want a puppy. But we do want to get a dog that's that's playful and not afraid of playing with Bo the way that Bo plays. Yeah. And um, it he is... He does, he's six now, so he does sleep a lot and chill out a lot of the time. But when he does have a burst of energy, it's like relentless. And we're not super energetic people, and so it's hard for us to keep up with him mm-hmm. and do the things we need to to like get that energy out. Even if we play with him until we're exhausted, which doesn't take that long, mm-hmm. he's still amped up and it has done nothing to like chip away at that energy yeah. that he has built up. But if he plays with another dog, he will like pass out for hours afterwards. So I think it definitely would be good for him to have a friend mm-hmm. and it's time for us. We've wanted another dog for a long time now. So we're starting that process. So there might be two podcast dogs in the future. Don't know exactly when. Yeah, we might have to. Well, if that's the case, I don't know what's going to happen. If they're constantly chasing each other around and making noise all the time. What I suspect will eventually happen. Dogs get used to each other. They're used to being in a pack. There will be times when they play and they fight and they do all that. And there will be times when they chill the fuck out. Yeah. And calm down. I just know I'm going to have to like eventually build the the wall that separates us from the rest of the basement. Yeah. Uh, because there will be more noises and more things. Right. Um, <clears throat> but more distractions. Yeah, that's just something that we're we're seriously starting to look into. So maybe there'll be another podcast out. Yeah, we'll see. Also, we probably. See. <laughs> no, almost definitely. Yeah, it's just a matter of when and what dog. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's the thing is we've been looking at these. We've been looking at these. And they're they're great. Every dog, the, the Mahoning County Dog Pound, is adorable. Mm-hmm. Now they're probably all going to have a serious need to be like trained. Yeah. I mean, I don't know <clears throat> that they are necessary. They are probably not housebroken. Some of them are. Some of them may be. Yeah. Yeah. M- most dogs they get are strays, mm-hmm. but you know nothing about them, so you don't know they could have had a home. Yeah. And were tossed out for some reason yeah. or. They ran away and the owner couldn't find them or didn't want to find them. Yeah. I can't imagine that, but it happens. But, but yeah, the point is you don't really know what you're getting. Yeah. I think recently there was someone who turned in a dog as a stray to the pound and it turned out that was the dog's owner and they brought it in as a stray. They said, I found this dog as a stray. Like, I guess they how do could. You know, how do you know that? The pound said on their Facebook. That's. They ended up finding out it was actually the owner. So they posted that on Facebook? Well, they had posted that a stray was turned in. Oh, and then, and they then like, later they realized it was the owner, and they just put update, not a stray. It was an owner turn in. Like oh. once they got that information, so because if it's a stray, 
they give it time to wait for the owner to come forward. So right. it's important to know if that was the owner turning it in, then you don't have to wait. You could find him a home. You could sooner. find a home sooner. So what an asshole. Yeah, I can't imagine doing that, but. Yeah. There's all kinds of situations that happen and there's all kinds of people that have pets and maybe shouldn't have pets or whatever. So the thing is we'll do we will do I mean look at look at Bo. Bo is a pretty well behaved dog by all measures, even though he's kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and can be loud and a pain in the ass. He is well trained. Mm-hmm. He's a behaved dog. Sometimes he just picks and chooses what he wants to do when he wants to do it, but that's a personality thing. <laughs> that dog hasn't gone to the bathroom in the house in like yeah, three the, years. The important since he was stuff. A puppy. Yeah, like the he, important stuff he gets right all the time. <laughs> and he's he's nice to people and he puts up with a lot of human bullshit. <laughs> people grabbing him and pulling his ears around and jiggling his face. Like this is a dog do. that loves people and loves dogs. And I've never had one before him that was both. Yeah. I've had dogs that love people, and I've had dogs that, well, mostly I've had dogs that love people, because yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't do a great job when I was growing up of, like, socializing socializing dog. dogs, but this is a dog that loves both, yeah. and he, you did a good job of making sure that he was around other dogs occasionally, and he's been, yeah, he's been with other dogs since he was, like, I used to take him to the dog park, and, like, younger, actually. So he he does good with that. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited to get him a friend and have another pupper yeah. around I just here. Want to jiggle some dog's face. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be cute. So yeah, that's that. Uh, but right. I think it's time oh, now it that is. we did all that catch up. It is. It is time. It, it is, is time. time. <laughs> <laughs> For I, I don't know if you've heard of it, but I was thinking we could do a game. I don't follow. Well, there's this game called Trues and Fnews. Do you think you'd want to play it? Um, that <clears throat> really depends. Is it fun? It is fun. Is it a game that's taking the nation by storm? Uh, that's what I've heard. Is it a news game? A famous game? Something like it. You're stealing my thunder, though, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we play Trues and Fnews? You need to tell me why you wouldn't happen to mean It's time for truth and truth Everyone's playing, everyone's playing a famous game, famous game, the game that's taking the internet by storm It's time for truth and a Merv Griffin production. Steal him a thunder, dude. <laughs> or you could be stealing my thunder, dude. <laughs> the world may never know. Thunder, dude. Thunder, dude. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Is that thunder, dude, over there? <laughs> thunder, dude, get out of here. <laughs> that guy's stealing thunder, dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, Back to tell me the about, game. Tell me about the game. Truth and Fnews is a game, a fun little game. It's taking the nation by storm. It's an internet game in which I will give you three news headlines. Two of them are false. One of them is true. You're going to tell me which is the truth and which is the Fnews. That's the best I've ever done. <laughs> Bravissimo. <laughs> You're Beautiful. Welcome. Bravissimo. Are you ready for this? Yeah, sure. Whatever. I don't First care. one. <laughs> Liverpool man devotes life to building yellow submarine installation as tribute to the Beatles. Oh, okay. Nice. 
Second one. Michael Jackson's glove is a singing alien in this L.A. musical tackling sex abuse allegations. Oh, my God. Please don't let that be true. Third. Portland therapy dog Mr. Smoothie carries a lunch pail and bus pass and rides bus to and from work by himself. Okay. Somehow one of these is true. Yes. Wow. Let's hear him Recap? Again. Yeah. <clears throat> Liverpool man devotes life to building yellow submarine installation as tribute to the Beatles. Number two, Michael Jackson's glove is a singing alien in this L.A. musical tackling sex abuse allegations. Number three. Oh, my God. Portland therapy dog Mr. Smoothie carries a lunch pail and bus pass and rides bus to and from work by himself. I freaking love Mr. Smoothie. (laughs) (laughs) That's what a great name. <laughs> what a great name for a dog. Mr. Smoothie. <laughs> you know what that makes me think is when we do get a dog, we really got to try very hard on a name. We have to name it something really weird. It has to be a great name. Yeah. <clears throat> like, uh, oh, I don't know. We'll think about it. Like like Cheeky Nuggy. Cheeky Nuggy. <laughs> This is my dogs, uh, Bo and Chicky Nuggy. Chicky Nuggy. <laughs> we also thought about naming it after one of our friends, so it's really confusing. <laughs> it's really, yeah, just name it after someone that's we, always here. No, we should name it Ben, because there's already two Bens that come over at least, <laughs> like, once every couple weeks. That's right. There's already, there's already Ben confusion. That would be so horrible. But then also you have further confusion because there's Bo and Ben. Yeah. Which are just fair, just <clears throat> Two B close names. Enough. They'd both come for everything. I'd like you to meet my dogs, Bo and the Hamburglar. <laughs> <laughs> or someone, Grimace. Someone at work the other day was trying to get the attention of my coworker named Amber, but she was also trying to say something else at the same time. And she looked at her and went, Hamburger. <laughs> I think she was trying to say, hey, Amber. She, she called her and Hamburger. She called her Hamburger. <laughs> it was so beautiful. How did you not tell me this sooner? I've totally forgotten until you said Hamburger. Hamburger. <laughs> hamburger. Hand outstretched. <laughs> we hamburger. Turned, we turned around and looked at her. She's like, oh, my God, what is happening? You know, it, it's, it's funny because just this morning, me and Chris were talking about, uh, me and Chris were talking about uh, when, um, uh, Chris Hayes called Bernie Sanders Bernie Sandwiches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> like on air. Bernie Sandwiches. People calling people food is really funny. Yeah. Hamburger is like the best. The best. H- hamburger. Hamburger. <laughs> Did you just Imagine call her hamburger? putting my hand out to someone and going, hamburger. It's made slightly better by the fact that the person she called hamburger is someone who would like never eat a hamburger. Well, that's kind of funny. <laughs> she like eats very healthy. Yeah. Um, oh my God. That's funny. Oh, it's great. Hamburger. Hamburger. Chicky nuggy. Um, okay. Back to I, the yeah, issue at hand. So I have some guesses. <clears throat> would you care to share them with the class? Yeah. So I actually do think that a dog getting uh, his lunch pail and getting on the bus and going to work uh, as weird as that is, seems just feasible enough to me. Um, <laughs> um, I'm tempted to say, well, shit. 
Oh my god. So the yellow submarine installation. I can see it, but I actually somehow <laughs> don't think it's the true one. And that talking Michael Jackson glove is just cringy enough to actually be happening in theater somewhere, specifically in Los Angeles. Just just cringy enough. An alien is a singing alien. That's what it said. Like, what's the implication that like? No, whatever. I'm not even going to think about it. I I'm <clears throat> shit. This is a hard one. This is actually maybe one of the hardest ones you've served up. <coughs> Let's. <sighs> Damn, this must be horrible to listen to. <laughs> um, I am going to say the true story is <clears throat> the singing glove. The okay. singing glove, the musical about sex abuse. I think that's actually that seems real to me. You're right. <laughs> So I got to give some credit to Dan because it was originally brought to my attention by him. Okay. Uh, When he brought it to my attention, the headline that I was seeing that he saw and shared with me Uh is that Johnny Depp is producing a musical about the life of Michael Jackson as told by his sequin glove. Now. Okay. It turns out (laughs) that either either Johnny Depp wasn't doing it or he has since decided to separate from the project. (sighs) But... That is no longer true. And that headline does not give the full picture. Yeah, that just sounds like a movie celebrating <laughs> Michael Jackson. Right. Or but a let me, musical so or whatever. So there, there's another version of this headline that I didn't use because it was even weirder. Okay. And I was like, it. He, it's not, he's going to know it's real because mm. it's so weird. <laughs> okay. And you did anyway. And I knew that there was a chance that you Actually, would. I kind of thought it was the dog. I'm glad I didn't go with the it dog. It wasn't. But are you proud of me for coming up with the name Mr. Smoothie? Mr. Smoothie. Yeah. I it's love it. The first thing that popped in my head. I have no idea where it came from. I was like, what's this therapy dog name? Mr. Smoothie. Mr. Smoothie. Mr. Smoothie. <laughs> Reminds He's got to be a real smoothie to get on the bus. Reminds me of that uh, bad lip reading of Mitt Romney from years ago where he, they said he trained a parakeet named Mr. Future. <laughs> when I heard that name, when I heard, when I thought that Mr. Future is a great a parakeet name. named Mr. Future like broke my brain when I first heard it. And I just like rolled around in bed cackling like a moron for like, for like 20 minutes going, Mr. Future. Um, There is actually a real story of. A dog, this is loosely based on, this stuff happens all the time, but uh, I think it's in San Francisco, but it's this dog who takes himself to the dog park every day. <laughs> that rules. Because like his his owner would take him to the dog park, but his owner was taking too long one day. So he got <laughs> on the bus by himself and then his, and then brought himself like his, his owner met him there. The bus just let him do that? Well, now he has his own bus pass. Wait a minute. <clears throat> Christy. Is this truths and news, or is this half truths, half news? No, this is a therapy dog in Portland named Mr. Smoothie, that's, and that's the false one. But this is a dog taking himself to the dog park in San Fran. That's it's based on true stuff, but it specifically is not true. It seems half truths. The best lies are rooted in the truth, David. Mm. Everybody knows it. <clears throat> anyway. That's the last time I share a cute dog story with you. (laughs) Mr. Smoothie. Mr. Smoothie. Back to Michael Jackson. 
Michael Jackson musical will blame sex abuse allegations on virgin boy blood glove. That's this. Other. Shut the fuck up. Yes. So let me read this. Um, the L.A. production for the love of a glove oh is a part puppet show in which the late singer's alleged history of child sex abuse is blamed no. on a glove shaped alien forcing Jackson to feed on boys. That is <clears throat> fucked up. Michael Jackson, of all people, seems to be making a comeback. The late and controversial pop star is about to get his own Broadway show, MJ the Musical, set to open July 6th with Ephraim Sykes in the lead role, as well as a biopic. Uh, producer Graham King has been working with Jackson's estate and scribe John Logan. And comes no. and now comes an L.A. stage play about the king of pop, or rather his famous glove. Written by L.A. playwright and filmmaker Julian Nitzberg, For the Love of a Glove tells the story of what happens after a group of aliens shaped like bedazzled gloves crash land in Jackson's hometown of Gary, Indiana. Turns out the glove can give people magical musical talent if it drinks their blood and has part of their body inside of it. Nitzberg, 54, tells rambling reporter, but it can only feed on virgin boy blood. Naturally... One alien glove attaches itself to a young Michael Jackson, who eventually learns he can't feed all five alien gloves himself, so he starts bringing boys home. Oh Nitzberg describes the musical as a layered look at the entire landscape of Jackson's life, including themes of racism, religious oppression, cultural appropriation, and a reported rivalry with Donnie Osmond, who was accused of copying Jackson's ensembles and photo shoots. He's also quick to point out that the production set to open January 25th, 2020, so last month, oh my God. at the Carl Sagan at the Carl Sagan Andrewan Theater inside the Center for Inquiry on West Temple Street is not a jukebox musical, rather it contains 20 original songs and will feature Japanese Bunraku-style puppets. <clears throat> I this, do not this like this musical idea. Musical is everything. Um, actor and comedian Jerry Minor from Saturday Night Saturday Night Love in Mr. Show. Wait. Is this Saturday Night Love? Jerry Minor. I know who Jerry Minor is. Is he on Saturday Night Live? Uh he he may have been. No, he may he might have been in What's writer. Saturday Night Love? <laughs> anyway. No, he was he was uh part of uh Mr. Show and uh he was on uh Louis show okay. and all that. But he takes on the title role of the glove. <coughs> uh wow. with Eric B. Anthony. Starring as Jackson. Additional characters in the show will include other members of the Jackson 5. Osmond, Emmanuel Lewis, Corey Feldman, and Bubbles the Chimp. I don't like this idea. Nitzberg explains the seed of the project was planted 17 years ago when he was approached by a TV network. He declines to name to write a Jackson biopic. Biopic. I know. I just wanted to say to make you mad. Even then, he refused to do a sanitized version that didn't address the abuse allegations. So a deal was never made and said he hatched a plan for a fictionalized take involving the rogue gloves. I think the point is to be obviously satirical. I get it. I hope that it doesn't come off as dismissive in putting the blame on someone other than Jackson. I don't I don't Which think is the that, feeling I get. It's like, oh well it's this alien thing. Obviously no one's gonna take that serious, yeah. but like it it seems like a way to like dismiss it as ridiculous so they can address other concepts, but it all depends on how they actually go about it, you know? For me, finding Neverland is still <laughs> very fresh. 
Yeah. Like, I spent a long time not being sure what exactly Michael Jackson did and being willing to, like, kind of put it off in my head and not yeah. come to a conclusion about it. And that, uh, that, that documentary was very upsetting and really detailed, and it totally f- fucked up my, you know, whatever uh, lack of judgment I was able to, like, give to mm-hmm. Michael Jackson. So, like... I don't know. <laughs> like someday that will seem really silly to me, but the, right now it's just kind of like messed up to me. The fact that I, I don't think <laughs> it will ever seem silly. The, I, think, I think it's kind of meant to be farcical. Oh, you mean the yeah the musical yeah. yeah. The fact that it is being shown in the Center for Inquiry. Sure, I understand. Gives me a little bit of faith. Well, that it's done in a way that would. You know, it's in defense of free thought. It's in defense of like a bold, risque idea that has something to say. I get why the CFI would want to support something like this. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. (sighs) It's not going to go traveling or anything. Right. Yeah. This is is not going to be, you know, like coming soon to Boise, Idaho. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's the truth. Wow. I, um, I think the idea is really interesting, except I can't hear the words virgin boy blood without really specifically <clears throat> thinking about what Michael Jackson did to people. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of the point. That's some regrettable truths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, it is a lot. But I really wish it was were, Mr. Smoothie. <laughs> there were three headlines just for that one topic that any three of them would have been great except yeah. i determined the the yeah. johnny depp version wasn't really true anymore so well um, thank goodness for that aren't you glad i chose michael jackson's glove as a singing alien in this la musical tackling sex abuse allegations yeah. versus boy blood <laughs> glove don't laugh at boy blood <laughs> as you laugh at boy blood jesus christ <clears throat> Um, I think it's time on that note. <laughs> yeah, on that brilliant note. We should take for a, a break. little break. Um, yes, maybe a little more coffee. A little more coffee. Not sure. Uh, yeah, but let's take a break and we'll come back in a minute with the main segment for the episode. All right. All right. Ooh. That was a good one. That's fun. All right. And we're back. We are back. We are back with more of this. Yeah, why are you guys still here? Um So uh this is this is, it's the episode time. This is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. She always looks so sad in photographs, but. Oh my God. I absolutely love her when she smiles. Oh, that's nice. Only when she smiles, though. When she doesn't, she's a piece of shit. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> so, All right. I don't know what that is, but yeah. I mean, I know what that is, but That's, I don't know why that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that is. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, let's move on. Uh, this episode. First of all, I should say this episode is sponsored by Hunters, a new original series from Amazon Prime. What? In which Al Pacino plays the leader of a ragtag bunch of Nazi hunters now available on Amazon Wait, what Prime. are you doing? Our newest sponsor is Amazon Prime. We don't Prime. have sponsors. <laughs> no, we don't. But I wish we did because this episode is about Nazis. Okay. <sighs> So it's inspired by, <laughs> loosely inspired by, not sponsored by. No, it's sponsored by they're, Amazon No, Prime. they're giving us no money for they, this. Thank you, Amazon, for sponsoring this episode. Are you hoping if you say it enough <laughs> that it'll be true? I, I don't know. Why not? Uh, anyway, no one's, so <laughs> no one's going to buy. <laughs> thank you, Amazon. No one's going to buy the cow if they get the milk for free. Is that guess, how it? Yeah, I think you're buy right. the milk if they get the cow for free. It's one of the, they get something for free and then they don't want the other one. No one wants a cow is how it goes. I think that's how it goes. Um, um but they're not going to pay us for the ad if we do the ad so before they pay us. Thank you, Amazon, for sponsoring this oh episode. No, anyway. Um, so Nazis. Um, Nazis. If you were an SS officer at the end of World War II, um. You. Episode 97, Nazis. It's not just Double Nazis. Underline. There's one Nazi no, in it's particular. About Nazis. But we'll get to it. Um, uh, if, you know, as many of them did at the end <laughs> of World War II, as you know, as a lot of people know, Nazis fled uh, and found refuge in places like South America often. Um, you mean Nazis refused to take accountability for their horrible deeds? Oh, yeah. Weird. Yeah. So they, uh, yeah, a lot of places, they booked it to a lot of places famously that would, you know, protect them and, you know, not extradite them and all of that shit. Um, but you would never think to go to Cleveland, Ohio. Mm, it doesn't seem like the Nazi friendliest place. No. Um, but anyway, uh, in <laughs> it turns out it is the thing is, and yet, despite this beginning in 1975, a series of events <laughs> kicked off that would ultimately lead to the allegation that a man named John Demyanyuk, a okay. naturalized U.S. citizen of Ukrainian origin, was a Nazi concentration camp guard known as Ivan the Terrible. Oh, I don't know how I didn't know about this. Yeah, I don't know how I didn't either. This was kind of a big, like big public deal um it started in 1975 is when the, the sort of allegations started to surface and it went basically all the way clean through until you know uh well um from 1986 essentially is when proceedings on this would begin all the way up to the year of his death um like i said i don't know how what I was didn't his know name this. again his name was john demyanyuk which is d-e-m-j-a-n-j-u-k uh, he was, at the time that all of this kicked off, already an old man. He was a grandfather, and by most measures, uh, by everyone that knew him, he seemed like an ordinary citizen. <clears throat> they worked at a GM plant and retired, and mm -hmm. just like, just a normal old dude. And he maintained his innocence throughout this process. But basically, this is, you know, what would follow is it, it, it attempts to bring him to international justice. Mm -hmm. And it was like a kind of a huge case. And I thought it would be worth talking about on this show because it happened, you know, like an hour and a half north of us. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, this is the story of John Dem- Demyanyuk. Demyanyuk. Um, which this story, what the, the events that kick it off basically start in 1975. <clears throat> um, okay. So at the time, there's a publication called the Ukrainian News. Uh, which is uh, run by activist Michael Hanushak, I believe. Hanushak, maybe. Not right. Anyway, uh, it was he. He put together a list, uh, sort of, uh, you know, from a few different sources and doing a little bit of uh, investigation of seventy Ukrainians now living in the U.S. who um, the Soviets alleged to be war criminals of the Nazi Party. Seventy Ukrainians in the U.S. and this is in seventy-five. Um, so Hanushak is a very active, you know, uh, an active activist. Mm. (laughs) Uh, he's the leader of the international workers order and, uh, the head organizer for the East Ohio, uh, West Pennsylvania region. So he's involved in this area, Mm. right? Um, he gives this list to uh, a U.S. senator who gives it to the Immigration and Naturalization Service, and they pair the list of 70 down to, like, nine that they're really confident in, mm-hmm. right, that they can move forward and investigate. Um, they determine that this list is probably put together entirely by the KGB, but they move forward on it anyway, um, and Demyanyuk is one of the names on this list. Okay. Um the, the thing is, if the information is valid, it kind of doesn't matter if the right, like the KGB source doesn't put it together. If you're able to bring a person to justice, but the thing is, of course, like this is during a time when you know it, it does it doesn't hurt to be pretty skeptical of whatever comes out of the KGB, right? You know, right? Um, I mean, you, definitely you have to investigate it and make sure it's valid, right? Which is why they they weaned it down to. Several instead of yeah, right. Over like, many, like they they worked their way down to the ones they were the most confident in following up on. Yeah, and they did circulate uh, Demyanyuk's uh, image and name to survivors of Treblinka, where uh, Ivan the Terrible was supposedly stationed. This mm-hmm. guy of like mythic cruelty uh, during the uh, Holocaust, right? <clears throat> uh, no one recognized his name, but eleven people positively identified him as Ivan the Terrible by a photograph. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, in conjunction with a lot of other evidence, that was enough for them to move forward on this case. The witness identification was so strong that it was enough to move forward. It's kind of hard. I mean, obviously, you said there's other evidence. Yeah. Witness identification is, like, very difficult to go by because on the one hand, you can be like, yeah, that's a face you'd never forget. But on the other hand... That's a high trauma experience, and your brain does crazy shit in those kinds of experiences. Yeah. So it it could be really difficult to rely on that, but um, you said there's other evidence. There is. There's. I mean, there's the investigation has only just started, so that's you know there's, there's not a full picture yet, but mm-hmm. they determined that this you know basically is enough to start moving forward and. Uh, what what follows this essentially is deportation and extradition proceedings that put this that essentially are going to put him on trial. Mm-hmm. Um, experts have been is it the coffee it's pot? The coffee pot. <laughs> experts have been brought in, obviously, to analyze like whether it's feasible that he could have been in those places at those times based on like paper documentation that they have. Um, 
he claims to have been an unremarkable uh, just driver like uh, like he was. He claimed essentially to have been conscripted by the Nazis, but like he was just a driver, didn't have any particularly gruesome responsibilities. So like I'm guilty by association, but I didn't do anything super bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so they they tried to keep him from being extradited. In fact, there's a uh, a guy whose name I forgot to write down who's a well-known Holocaust denier in Cleveland and a wealthy guy who tried to keep him from being extradited. But uh, eventually he was allowed to be extradited to Israel to stand trial. He lost his U.S. citizenship. And in 1986, he was deported. So that's like nine years after, or I guess uh, 11 years after they started looking into this list of 70 names, mm-hmm. um, he's taken Israel. Um, <clears throat> the trial is really, uh, I mean, like a- any, any trial of this nature would, would probably be highly dramatic, but the, the, this, this trial is, well, let me say this. It's worth watching the documentary that is on Netflix about this right now. Um, because seeing some called? of it is seeing some of it is better than describing it. In fact, I think watching this would be probably better than <laughs> I could I could describe it to you, but it's called The Devil Next Door. Okay. I think it's relatively new on Netflix. Um so because of the fact that this was a very public trial with, you know, video cameras admitted and, you know, a large amount of public interest in the case, it's I mean, you can see the minute he walks into court, people are yelling and shouting and pointing fingers and banging on things. And it's like this big, dramatic thing. Right. It's it's like it's a it's a national grieving is what's happening. You know, it's a trial, but it's like very much it's it's one of those things where the public has kind of made their mind up already. Yeah. Um, It's also really haunting how he conducts himself. And it for me is the beginning of when I started to be really suspicious of him uh, is the way that he boldly stares down a crowd of people who are so clearly eager for his blood, you know, yeah. he, he doesn't flinch and it's okay. You can, you know, you can say a lot of things about like how guilty people or innocent people behave. And I don't know that you can necessarily tell by people's behavior all the time. Yeah. But he appears very emboldened in a scenario that I feel like few people would feel that emboldened by. Yeah. You know, how many people can stare down that room and smile? <laughs> it, it's hard to say how you would act if you were innocent of that horrible allegation versus if you were guilty of it. it right. Because, like, Bo, if you're guilty it, of that. Sorry, the dog is, I cannot focus. The dog is eating his butt. <laughs> I cannot focus. Bo, go, get. If you're guilty of that, <sighs> what? What stunning thought processes does your brain have to do to make you okay with what you did? Well, yeah, either right. either you're a sociopath and you feel no, like you don't feel bad about it, right? Or you're not a sociopath, but your brain has made some very big justifications. Yeah. So in either of those situations, you're you're not. Your brain doesn't work the way, like, I would think my brain would work in that situation. Yeah. Like, if if I felt guilty about it, I'd be acting a specific way. But if you don't feel guilty or you can't feel guilty because you've justified it, 
the question is really then how do you act? The question you know? is really can an innocent person sit down there and appear unmoved? Right. That's really the question for me. I don't I don't know that they could. Like on the one hand it's like if if you're innocent you don't want to act like you're guilty. Yeah, right. But on the other hand, you would still be freaked out that all these people were accusing you of something really, really bad, right? Yeah, like, like you, you probably to... wouldn't be calm enough to sit there and smile. This is the kind of thing that just kind of makes me scratch my head. Like, I don't know. But people people act in re- I, really I bizarre ways. And the other thing is, this is like an old dude who, like... Lived like, a life. Lived a, a, you know, at least after coming to America, a pretty straightforward, boring factory life. Yeah. And he's gotten... Fat and, you know, like old and like docile almost. And maybe that is just what everyone's looking at. Maybe that's all there is to see there. Well. But I don't, I don't think so. Thing, it, so it reminds me of the Golden State Killer. Yeah. Of like when he was finally caught. Yeah. He was an old dude with grandkids and like uh-huh. completely unassuming. And when he went to trial, he made sure he was like in a wheelchair and looked as helpless as possible. Yeah. And not that people in wheelchairs are helpless, but he did not require that. Well, he, it's the same he made thing, it It's the same thing like, point. like with Harvey Weinstein, who recently, while on trial, just sort of – now he needs a walker all of a sudden. <clears throat> yeah. This is, this is a thing for optics case where people who are on the defense will attempt to make themselves look – like, you know, whatever whatever the the idea of an innocent person was, or maybe a person who couldn't possibly well, trying have to been, gain sympathy. Yes. And couldn't someone who couldn't possibly have been, you know capable of yeah, doing right. these That's, acts. I mean you're pre- you're preying on a jury. I'm just gonna finish your sentences for the rest of the time. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're basically preying on a jury's, you know, prejudices about that. Yes. Um, um Yeah. It, it's it's hard to imagine someone who who looks and acts a certain way could have done horrible things. Yeah. But people well, are capable of a lot of awful things. Yeah, it's just crazy. Like even when the courtroom gets quiet and mm-hmm. then someone shouts out and calls him a murderer, he never he's never phased. Like that. Would, well, whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> um, this is the first case that has been televised beginning to end in Israel. All right. First ever, which. In in a in a way, it kind of reminds me a lot of the OJ trial here. Mm-hmm. It was a case with a lot of public interest. Everyone was paying attention. Specifically in Israel, a case like this has like huge national interest implications. So like, of course, everyone was swept up in it. Um, let me move to the prosecution's case. Why Israel? Why, why Israel is because he was he's being you know accused of Nazi war crimes. So he's essentially Israel wants to take him to okay. trial. So. You know, and then there's only a few cases that really there's only a few nations that have like direct interest in prosecuting, you know, someone for these crimes. It's basically Israel, Germany and maybe other parts of like Eastern Europe. Right. Mm -hmm. But Israel, Israel wants to take them up on it. And the United States agrees. So that's where they send them. Um, The prosecution's case is basically this. Demyanyuk was a conscripted Russian soldier who was captured and trained to administrate in Project Reinhard, which, as you probably know, is the Nazi plan to exterminate the Jews of Poland, Mm -hmm. right? This is how the USSR was able to provide the records in the first place that identified him, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, uh, he he was, you know, conscripted by what was then the Russian army, right? 
So they have the documentation of this. They have the alleged uh, <clears throat> that uh, he is the especially cruel Ivan the Terrible of legend uh, that at uh, Triple. So Death. I'm assuming uh, John Demianyuk is a name he took on later, obviously, while he's trying to escape. Uh, justice well, for this? The argument is no, that this is just his name. Like, <clears throat> so the why did he get called Ivan the Terrible? Ivan the Terrible is, it's it's a, I believe it's just a name of legend or like just described as, so like there, the Ivan the Terrible didn't necessarily have to be some guy named Ivan. Yeah. You know, Ivan the Terrible is like a name prior a, a to. A legend it. of a horrible yeah, person. Right. And so they're like, this guy's as bad as Ivan the Terrible. Exactly. And it's a nickname. It's the kind of thing that grows out of, you know. Legend and myth being and story a horrible and, person. Yeah, well, right. Um, so they allege that he was um, he was at Treblinka as well as many other locations around. Uh, you know the, the different uh, camps that he had served at. They call other convicted Nazi guards to testify to having worked alongside of him. Mm-hmm. Um, they allege that he was the man who operated the engines which pumped gas into the extermination chambers. Uh, they say that he carried a sword and would crush skulls, cut ears, and torture prisoners. Uh, unspeakably cruel. Yeah. Some of the gnarliest stuff is attributed to Ivan the Terrible. Uh, just like cruel for no beyond beyond even the scope of the awful job that they were doing. Yeah, you're just you're cruelty. told to do a horrible thing. You were not told to chop people's ears off and crush their skulls. It goes even beyond. Even beyond the evil that was already done into, like, pure wanton cruelty. Yeah. Um, so there's a really notable exchange uh, on the stand uh, between a man uh, named Rosenberg and Demjanjuk. Uh Rosenberg is a survivor of Treblinka, and he is called mm-hmm. to testify and to identify Demjanjuk and all that, right? Um, when he's asked to identify him, Rosenberg asks Demjanjuk to remove his glasses which will help his identification. And then Demjanjuk asks Rosenberg to approach, like, come here and identify me. Come closer. Mm. Right? Fuck him. So Rosenberg does. He walks up. You don't do that if you're innocent. You don't fucking do that. It's odd, isn't it? It's just odd. But, you know, you can make the argument, no, really get a look at me. Like, come closer, because if you're going to identify me, really look at my face, you know? Okay, maybe. So so Don't like it, though. The thing is, Rosenberg approaches... Demjanjuk extends his hand to shake his oh, hand. Mm, 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 mm. He Rosenberg freaks out. Yes. Freaks out. He says in that moment, he feels he knows exactly who he's looking at. He jumps back and he says, how dare you? He screams, how dare you? And he tells the room, this man is the devil. I know him. I know him. Super dramatic moment of the trial. He's a fucking trauma survivor. Yeah. Like if, if you, even if you're innocent, like you... Do not subject someone to that. Yeah, it's it's really, again, like the things start to add up of like if you're innocent, I don't know, the idea of extending your hand to someone as a defendant, it seems like a really, really bold move and I'm, I'm not appropriate hard, to the moment. I'm having a hard time seeing it as anything other than more cruelty. It just feels it feels it feels like the moves of a dude who did something and knows he'll never ever pay for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to like if that's me, or, like or, I'm not gonna, it's inappropriate to the moment to extend a hand of friendship. It's <clears> inappropriate <throat> to the moment. 
it's like a thing maybe you could do after a person looks at you and goes, you know what? You're not the guy. Yeah. Right. Then yeah. maybe you could extend your hand and be like, no hard feelings. I fucking get that you thought I was the guy. Yeah. No problem. Maybe then you extend a hand. Not when he's about to identify you. Right. It's fucked up, right? <laughs> Not when you've called him off of the stand to come look closer at you and force him into a very uncomfortable situation. Yeah. It just, it, it's, I get, it's got bad vibes all over it. <clears throat> now, here's the thing. I'm telling a really abbreviated version of this story. I really do recommend watching the no, documentary. No, I want to watch this. Because the the sort of politics of like how this plays out in the courtroom and how this plays out in the state of Israel and a lot of the stuff that follows here, I'm like really just touching on. Um, the documentary does a better job of presenting all of this in a digestible format. It's like five episodes long. Like it really takes its time. So uh, anyway, I'm going to move on to the defense's case. Uh, the defense says that Demyanyuk himself was imprisoned during these years, like uh, like a chunk of time was spent being imprisoned and then also like, you know, doing some like menial work. Right. Mm -hmm. um, they seize on some very problematic witness testimony, which I this is really something. So one witness was accused of being senile after having claimed to have traveled from Poland to Florida by train. Like someone said they took a train from Poland to Florida. And mm -hmm. that then that person was Bo, hey, shush, the, go. The puppy next door. I know is the puppies I can hear the puppy barking outside. Um so no, some, you can't go play <laughs> with the puppy. So they, they they basically accuse that person of being senile because you can't take a train from Poland to Florida, right? Mm -hmm. Um the another person they grilled uh, you know, in sort of like cross examination, um, had found that he had not actually used the name Ivan the Terrible in his identification. Like, uh, like so that they, it couldn't be positively said that he had identified this guy as Ivan the Terrible. Like, mm. he had identified knowing him. Yeah. But he didn't actually say he recognized him as Ivan the Terrible. So that kind of, that's part of their defense, right? Okay. Um, I get that. Like, uh, he was someone I saw, but it, yes. it, it, that's not the case at hand. Yes. Um, so they're they're just trying to dismiss as many witnesses as possible. Yes. And also <clears throat> evidence. There's something called the Travniki card, which is a this is a identification card that would have been given to all conscripted soldiers, mm -hmm. uh, the, which is the the identifier that's that's it's the photo ID that they use in the first place. Yeah. When they extradite him, you know, so, to Israel. So if he were just a driver, he wouldn't have one of those. But yeah. if he were Ivan the Terrible, he would. Well, he would be uh, – I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly who they awarded these Travniki cards to or like how they were – how they were uh, – how they were assigned to people. God, now, now I'm going to get well, lost in my own. Well, their defense of him was that he was just a, a contracted driver and not a conscripted person. Yeah, right. That's so, the idea. So if it's given to any specific group of conscripted You'd be in, essentially people, enlisted then, yes. to receive a card like this. And also, like, some of the information on the, the, the card, you know, backs up that uh, uh, assertion. Um, the defense says that the Travniki card is a forgery. Mm -hmm. They have some very interesting reasons for claiming that, which are actually kind of compelling. Uh, they say that it looks like the si signature is forged. Um, they say that the stamp doesn't appear to be applied correctly. There's all these, you know, like little 
things like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, there's staple holes in the photo, but they don't go through the card behind. Okay. Which would be so it looks a suggestion like that they moved a photo from somewhere else to place it onto here. Yeah. Um, I think it's a pretty effective defense. I mean, it, it definitely casts some doubt, right? Um, it's a reasonable argument. Um, also, during this trial, Demyanyuk fires his American lawyer that has been defending him in favor of a guy named Yoram Sheftel, who is very soon to become one of the most hated men in the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sheftel is, um, he's, his defense of Demyanyuk makes him a national villain. He's, I was going to say, is he Israeli? Yeah. He's, that's, yeah, that's tough. It's really, I mean, people despise him for reasons that I kind of understand. Um, yeah. I don't think that. Uh, well, this is, this is Israel versus yeah. a man and you are taking the man's defense. And even if it's just a job, it's that's. But he also seems Israel's to take a lot of despicable. delight in it. That's the thing about him is he's, he's an effective lawyer. I mean, he's, he's kind of a charismatic guy. Mm. He's uh God, you know, like if we're making an analogy to the OJ trial, he's kind of the Johnny Cochran. Yeah. He's like the dude that's like super capable, smooth, and like is like, and and people, you know, kind of suspect him of being, you know, in it for the cash and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that's the case with Johnny Cochran. Johnny Cochran kind of took that case on principle. But mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe not. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, so... He's, yeah, basically seen as super unconscionable. They make him do a lie detector test on TV. Like, not make him, but, like, you know, (laughs) bait him into it on the news to, like, prove that he, you know, believes that Demyanyuk is innocent and he he fails. Here's the thing. (laughs) Here's the thing. That is, as a defense attorney, that's not a requirement. No, but you have to. It's not a requirement that you believe your client is innocent. The thing is, is, like, they are entitled to a defense. Yeah, right. They're entitled to the best defense they can afford. Right. And um, unfortunately, that's not always a good defense. And sometimes you can afford mm-hmm. a really good attorney. But I, I kind of object to them doing that. Like that's I as much as like he kind of sounds like a piece of shit. And <laughs> I, you know, yeah, that's garbage. But like he's entitled to a defense. Sure. And and it doesn't matter if the lawyer thinks he's innocent or not. You should not. It helps. It yeah, helps. but you should not yeah, even be mean. discussing that. Like, that's besides the point. But again, this is like about, it's not, it's I not know. even about this case. It's really, I mean, it's about it the It becomes about the large. people in yeah. the Holocaust. And, and, and that being said, on the other side of it, yes, like, fuck that guy and fuck yeah. anyone who helps him. <laughs> <laughs> like, if yeah. he is... If he was involved in the Holocaust, the yes, right, I understand that, but also from the other side of it, it it's difficult, right. So anyway, uh, there is a huge, gigantic, <clears throat> dramatic turnabout in this case, uh, which is it's very complicated for the prosecution, and it is this: the defense is able to produce a statement from a witness from <clears throat> 1947 which claimed that he took part in a resistance that had killed Ivan the Terrible with a spade in okay. 1943. Someone someone made this allegation, right, that they that he had helped kill Ivan the Terrible. And do you know who that person was? 
Rosenberg, the dude that freaked oh. out at the identification. Oh. He had earlier testified to taking part in killing Ivan the Terrible, which very much complicates his identification. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is probably part of the reason he flipped out so bad. <laughs> I, so, like, the question is, like, well, that's the thing is, like, which of these is true? Like, like, which is the, <laughs> which of these is most likely to be true? Like, what incentive would Rosenberg have to claim that Ivan had been killed back in the 40s if that were not true? Why would he have made that claim if it weren't true? Well, it's also, he could have thought it, it was true. He could have thought he killed Ivan the Terrible, but maybe he killed the wrong person that's, or... It's true. Or, you know, whatever. The, any number of things could have happened. It's... Either he could be misidentifying him now or he could have misidentified him then. Well, n the thing is, Rosenberg himself, when presented with this, recants the testimony that he had helped kill Ivan the Terrible and describes it as wishful thinking. And this is where the documentary tries to say something that I think is very complicated and that I certainly can't say any better, mm -hmm. but that I do want to touch on it is that, like, if you were a survivor of the Holocaust, due to a lot of things, including, like, the survivor's guilt, the, mm -hmm. the, the companies living through something like that, there are a lot of myths you hold on to. Yeah. There is a lot of, like... There's what happened, and then there's, like, the the mythology of it that sustains you like through the, something that's dark. This is, like, the worst thing in the world, and I feel bad that I lived and other people died. But as yeah. a justification of the fact that I survived, I killed one of the big bads. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, it's, it's a thing that seems to happen sometimes. There are these, like, you know, I, I don't know that I'm qualified to speak to this. Yeah. But it is a part of surviving something that horrible, is that there are... There are the things that definitely happened, and then there are the the stories and the the the, the things that provide like um, that help make sense of something that's justifications. Senseless. Even, yeah. even if it's not like it, you don't have a justification doesn't happen just when you do something bad. It right. you know it. Our brains do a lot of things to try to make sense of a lot of complicated information. Yeah, and especially when it's taking place because of a traumatic event yeah, or series of events, our brains aren't necessarily reliable and, and they jump to conclusions that aren't necessarily reliable mm -hmm. and, and put things together in a way that helps you deal with it, mm -hmm. but might not be exactly what happened. Yeah. I think that's s sort of like what they're trying to say about, this story and, and stories like it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like what the truth is, is sometimes difficult to really. Have, have you ever had on. something bizarre or like really bad happen? And then after the fact, you like kind of question it. Yeah. I know you have. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it's easy to be like, okay, shit, did that really happen? Like, that was insane. Did that really happen? Yeah. Am I remembering it wrong? Sometimes it's really easy to repackage the parts that you know happened differently. Like, yeah. to, to change the context around them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the it's like the process of surviving something bad. Right. Brains aren't reliable, and a lot of times they're, they're not reliable in ways to make things easier to deal with. Right. So anyway, that's that's mostly what... That's what largely probably accounts for that story. 
But okay. who knows? I mean, it's it's complicated. Um, so here's where things get a little bit weirder. Um, for years, the offices of the uh, Office of Special Investigations um, had been throwing their garbage out in a dumpster across from the building, <laughs> a dumpster owned by the neighboring McDonald's. This <laughs> is really weird, right? <clears throat> that trash was being picked up for years by John Demyanyuk's son-in-law, who is part of the defense team. So oh, he's picking up okay. OSI garbage for years looking for information, destroyed documents, something they could piece together like a, mm-hmm. some kind of a smoking gun, right? Um, I can't even believe they did this. They picked up garbage out of a McDonald's dumpster for years. But anyway, um, they found internal memos from the OSI expressing doubts that they had the right man in the first place. Mm. Um, they ended up being pretty explosive evidence to release in court. Um, the uh, le- leaked documents even showed one of the witnesses that was supposed to have identified Den Myanyuk actually identified someone else as Ivan the Terrible. Mm. So like OSI, you know, internal documents kind of blew up their own case. You know, the the, the 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 evidence that was being used. Invest in a goddamn paper shredder, people. They, 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 I think they did. And they piece these together? Yeah, I think so. Oh, fuck. That's dedication. Um, Not only did you go through a nasty McDonald's dumpster, <laughs> you, really had to, crazy. you had to put together the worst puzzle ever. Uh, so here is where. Okay, hold on. Invest in a shredder <laughs> that goes vertical and horizontal. Those right. exist. Yeah, right. Good advice. That's my advice. Um, <laughs> so here's where I'm going to uh, I'm going to start picking up the pace a little bit because mm-hmm. there's a lot to this. There's a lot to this case and what follows it that I'm about to go through that, again, maybe the documentary would be a better way to process because it's a lot. It's a lot of story. Yeah. Um, but I will say here, John Demyanyuk on April 18th, 1988, was found guilty. And okay was sentenced to death by hanging. Oh, wow. Um, and he spent basically the next five years in prison working on his appeal. We were approximately one year old. Uh, right. He, he spent the next five years in prison, like within earshot of the gallows they were building to hang him on, Ugh. which is crazy. They do shit different in Israel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, don't, we don't do that. That's one thing we don't do Man. here is... Hanging in a time when they have to build the gallows yeah, they because to, they don't have them anymore. They had to build a gallows to hang them on. Wow. Crazy. It yeah. took them five years? Here's the thing. Well, no, because his appeal oh, okay, okay, process okay. takes another five years. And in July of 1993, a five-judge panel will rule on his appeal. So that's five years later. Mm-hmm. His lawyers present this. Uh, argument with multi, you know, there's many points to this argument, but the most devastating thing that they allege in this appeal is this, which is that they were able to collect the written statements of 37 former guards from Treblinka that Ivan the Terrible was, in fact, another guy whose name was Ivan Marchenko. Uh, Those statements were gathered by the Soviets and they were unavailable until after the Soviet Union fell in 1991. (sighs) So, like, Demyanyuk is sentenced in 88. Mm-hmm. Soviet Union falls in 91. Appeal goes to trial in 93. Mm-hmm. In in between his conviction and appeal, a whole bunch of new evidence is now available mm-hmm. that was not able to escape the Soviet Union previously. So 
Those guys that identified uh, Ivan Marchenko described him as looking very different. They said he had different color eyes and hair than than Din Yanyuk has, right? Mm-hmm. So this, among many other arguments, were ultimately enough for the judges to reverse his conviction. Oh, jeez. Which is a huge, hugely upsetting – I keep <clears throat> leaning away from the microphone. It's a hugely upsetting event for, like, the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. Like people are outside the courthouse, like weeping and wailing and like like pulling hair out. It's like it's like dramatic. Yeah. Um, for obvious reasons. Um, here's the detail I'm really bothered by, and the, this comes up, you know, in discussion around this. In his 1951 visa application to the U.S., Demyanyuk identified his mother's maiden name as Marchenko. Here's my thing. If you were involved in the Holocaust on yeah. the side of the Nazis yeah. and you're now fleeing yeah. and trying to escape some kind of conviction and retribution for your participation in that, mm-hmm. you change your fucking name. It's definitely curious. You change your fucking name. You like you don't. How would you not? How would you not? I have I have a thought on this. Well, it's it's odd because he claims that that was just because he forgot his mother's maiden name. Which seems kind of inconceivable now, but I don't, you know, who knows? You know, maybe back then people just weren't that curious about, I don't know. I don't, I don't really believe that, but he said it's a common surname. So he just wrote it down. Marchenko is just a common surname. But if I have this dude's character understood the way I think I do, if he really is as bold as he seems to be throughout this whole thing. Isn't there something there that's almost like, I dare you. I dare you to catch me. Also, it's one of those things of like, sometimes you put together the big pieces of a fallacy in your head, but not the little ones. So you change your, yeah, you change your name, but you don't think someone's going to ask you your mom's main name. And you yeah. have a second to write it down on a piece of paper. So you say, oh, okay, fuck it. And you write maybe the real thing. Here's the scenario. Uh, you're John Dem- Demyanyuk. You're, you know, essentially a constri- conscripted soldier. But to everyone around, you know, that you can, you present yourself with a different name and an identity. Because you know someday you're going to have to distance yourself from this, right? Mm-hmm. So you live as, uh, you know, Ivan Marchenko. But they didn't necessarily think that way then. I don't know. I mean. When you're in the middle of that and you're on the side of the Nazis, you don't, you're not told you're in the wrong. You don't think you're in the wrong. And you kind of have to believe that you're doing, you, again, those justifications. Yes, but I think you have to know that someday someone might come after you for this. I don't know if they knew that. I doubt that very much. I don't know. I don't know. Especially so for him because he's not a German by national origin. He has no real, like, certainty that they're not going to throw him under the bus someday. But sometimes you have to fucking drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I know. I just, I don't know. It seems feasible to me as a possibility that he goes by a different name for a while because he knows someday someone might come at him for it. Or or even as simple as you go by a different name because you don't want the people you're doing horrible things to to actually know who you are. Sure. And either way. And and if that were the case, maybe it would make sense that he would keep his actual name of John Demianyuk if mm-hmm. no one knew him by his actual name of John right. Demianyuk. That's why you protect your real identity. 
And so he's able to, you know, fill out a visa application with his actual name. But then doesn't that doesn't explain <laughs> the real Ivan the Terrible being Ivan Marchenko then? Well, if his name really is John Demianyuk. What? Now if you've lost me. Are you saying that he is actually John, Den, John that's I, that's Demianyuk? What, that's what I'm saying. But someone else is claiming that Ivan the Terrible was actually Ivan Marchenko. Yeah, like an actual So that, that doesn't jive with him actually being... If he's actually John... In this... Oh, this is so confusing. <laughs> in the scenario we just spelled out where yeah. he is actually John Demianyuk, yeah. you're saying he went by Ivan Marchenko to people... Yes. Okay, and, and, so, now I get So that it. other people would know him by that name and identify him by that and name. And if Marchenko was actually a common surname, then Why it not would pick be that like, as your, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm John Smith. And it probably is a common surname. Yeah, it supposedly it is. I don't doubt that. Anyway, uh, he is acquitted. Boo, hiss. Uh, he gets to go back home and does. He comes back to the United States <laughs> and he gets his U.S. citizenship back. Um. But the powers that be are not finished investigating him. Mm -hmm. uh, the OSI continues, and uh, again, this is with the aid of a lot of new documents that were unavailable to them before. Yeah, this goes both ways. Yeah. Like, the thing is, there will be things that come out to provide his defense and also things to suggest his guilt, right? There's more mm -hmm. evidence either way. So they do find enough evidence that places him at Sobibor, which is, uh, like, a, another, like, work camp, uh, concentration camp, right? Um, and more specifically identifies his role as a member of an SS Death's Head Battalion in Flossenburg. The Death's Head Battalion were, like, very specifically, like, tasked with carrying out Project Reinhardt. They're, like, mm -hmm. uh, they're, there's, I don't know, I don't, I'm not <laughs> into Nazi, you know, uh, like, uh, identification stuff, like, enough to really know what that means. I'm not really that... You know, their specific group that yeah. was a part of the Reinhardt project. Yeah, they were they were specifically involved in that, um, and they place him as a member. So that's kind of a big deal. Um, so two thousand two rolls again, two, rolls around again. Two thousand two rolls 2002. around. Two thousand two. It rolls around for every the second time, time. Every time it becomes two thousand two <laughs> again. <laughs> oh my so god! So refreshing. I need to wrap this episode. <laughs> um. In 2002, they find cause to remove his citizenship This again. is the 10th 2002 we've had. <laughs> it's, it just won't stop. No one can explain it. Um, so, yeah, they, they're, gonna, they, they're trying to push to remove his citizenship again. They think he's still the dude. In 2004, the Supreme Court did not, denies his appeal. So it's been two years of him trying to fight the order to deport him. <clears throat> and the Supreme Court turns him down. He's ordered to be deported to Germany in 2005, but then still more legal kicking and screaming. So this order in 2005 gets dragged all the way out to May 2009 when he is finally deported again, this time to Germany. Okay. Germany also wants to take him to bat. Okay. Um, and they charge him formally with accessory to murder on 29,000 counts Ooh. for his time at Sobibor. Um, I'm going to gloss over the particular arguments and evidence and all that in this trial because a lot of it is kind of familiar and there's some different, you know, there's some new information that's presented. But for the most part, what's important is that he gets there in May of 2009. Mm-hmm. 
in May of 2011, he is sentenced to How five years in prison. How did I not hear about this? I know. Like, I started, it started when we were babies, but, like... Yeah. In 2011, how I we, was graduated from college. How are we not hearing about that? Yeah. May, I don't know. May of 2011. Ignorant Americans. Um, he was sentenced to five years in prison with two already served. This really pisses me off a bit. Because what is five years in prison for accessory to murder on 29,000 lives? And they gave him credit for time served. So he's only got another three years. To serve. It just seems, you know what? I know it's a moral victory to five, con- to convict him, and that's all it really five is. Five years with two served. Yeah. For twenty nine thousand lives. Yeah. Twenty nine thousand people that don't exist anymore because of this guy. Yep. I mean, he's five the years. Thing is, it's accessory to murder, so you're, you the charge is lesser than you know, like. Obviously, like for direct, directly murdering yeah, someone. But he was a part of it. But like five years for twenty nine thousand lives seems wrong. But here's the other thing: twenty nine thousand. Here's the other thing: he's old as shit. By this point, he's like they're like 90. he he gonna die anyway. <laughs> yeah, at this point, he's like ninety or something like that. I can't remember how old he's. He's old. <laughs> um, and you're right; it's more about it's proving the point than yeah than him. You know, being in jail or whatever, prison, exactly. whatever. You're not ever going to get actual like restitution for this, right? The people who's no matter what you do, it's not going to bring those people back. Right. It's a sense of justice, but nothing's ever going to be good enough. Anyway, here we are at the end of this story. Less than one year later, John Demyanyuk dies in a home for the elderly. Uh, in, Wait, in the middle of his appeal. Okay, so he's still appealing. He hasn't even gone. Right. Yeah. Um, now, in Germany, if you die before your appeal can be heard, you're innocent. What? Yeah. Because you couldn't finish out your appeal, they draw, they draw, you are considered innocent. So the really sad thing about Is all of Is it the this, opposite here? I feel like if you're charged with something and an appeal has not changed the charge, then the charge stands. I believe so, but I don't know that. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when the last time if was anyone's I heard a lawyer like or knows about yeah. this stuff, I'd be curious. But that someone that tell seems us how the law works. That seems logical to me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's basically uh, he he's he's considered innocent of the crimes on paper to this day because of this mm. rule. Here's the flip side of this, and something that I think I take a little bit of comfort in mm-hmm. is that this dude spent more or less. All of his time from 1986 in, until 2012, either on trial, awaiting trial, in prison, extradited to a different country, or otherwise, like, knowing he's being hounded. Yeah. Uh, this dude, like... <laughs> Hopefully living in fear. Yeah. And the thing is, you can see the brave fates he put on here and there. Um, but I really do like to think that that time was not pleasant for him yeah um, that he really didn't have much peace i uh i really do believe that what he was accused of he's guilty of it doesn't even matter if he was ivan the terrible if he yeah. was directly involved with this in any way <clears throat> right then 
he he deserved punishment uh, he, <laughs> and to be brought out to justice. At so. one point, he told journalists that his arrests and uh, his time on trial and all that was the result of an international Jewish conspiracy. What makes you sound more like a Nazi? Right. Lock him up. <laughs> what makes you sound more like a Nazi than the Jews? The yeah. Jews put me here. You fucking asshole. Anyway. Like. You just you just signed your own papers. <laughs> yeah. Just now the, yeah. the crazy thing is like this happened in Cleveland. The people the family associated with this are still here. This is like That's not crazy. a far away problem. And so I feel a little bit conflicted about being so certain about something that I kind of don't know anything about, but the evidence adds up. The evidence really adds up. The way that the dude carried himself, the paper documentation trail, the the, the identifications people made of him, whether they you correctly identified him as Ivan the Terrible or not, I feel like it's very obvious yeah. people recognized him. At that point, that's not even at this point, that's not even the important part to me. It's it, whether or not he was involved. Doesn't matter if he was specifically Ivan. Well, was he involved in those things? In two thousand, uh, gosh, very recently, maybe it was end of last year. Uh, there were photos of uh, the uh, the Nazis at Sobibor released, like photos uh, taken by a photographer were presented to, I can't remember what uh, uh, museum or project. And in them is a dude that looks like John Danyanyuk. It, it's a dude that looks like him. You can't be positive. The identification can't be positive because it's, it's just hard to, you know, to... Yeah. Like definitely tie that, you know, those two guys together. They're separated by so much like age and yeah. all that. But it looks like him. And, you know, that came out, what, eight years after his death, mm. seven years after his death. And I think it's appropriate that it finally happened. Um, so, yeah, that's mostly it. Um, I I really recommend watching The Devil Next Door. Yeah, it's, I would like to watch that. <clears throat> it's on Netflix, and it – I don't think you can fully appreciate, like, the way that this dude carried himself and the the sort of aura around him the, and the energy that dude, like, has um, it, without mm. seeing it for yourself. He just – I don't know. People are capable of so much. <clears throat> yeah. I guess evil is the word. Evil is the word. Evil is the only word. Um, and you would not believe what people those people are that are capable yeah. of that. They're the people. They, the thing is, the Nazis <clears throat> did not climb out of a volcano. <laughs> they were people's friends and neighbors, people with bad ideas. Well, it's who got sold some real, real bad it's ideas. It's really easy to think that, like. There are specific monsters that do evil things and they look a certain way and act a certain way and they don't just blend in with everybody else. Yeah. Because that's reassuring. <clears throat> that's <clears throat> reassuring and makes us feel safe. If someone was a monster, I would know. It's part of the. But it's yeah. not true. Right. It's not true. Uh, well, anyway, uh, let's wrap this episode up because I have a tickle in my throat. It's driving me crazy. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I hope that was interesting to you. Check out The Devil Next Door. Um, it, it tells a lot of the story a lot better than I can in a, in a lot more vivid detail. Um, but go in with the knowledge that a Nazi bites the dust. All right. Uh, uh, so 
yeah, this is a Nazi this, bites the dust. This is it for our only ever Sunday morning goose chase episode. So far, did we bring some uh, extra pep to it, or is it about the same? I don't know. I mean. <laughs> It was about Nazis, so... <laughs> Nazis. Of course, sponsored by Amazon Prime and its new series, Hunters. Oh, God. Oh Watch God. Hunters on Amazon it's Prime, our sponsor. new sponsor. It's anything. It's about Nazi you, hunters. You can't do the ad for free and then expect <laughs> them to pay you later. I don't know. It's like if you build it, they will come or whatever. You know, just like I'm, it I'm creating it's not, the ad no, platform. Mm-mm. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... Thanks for listening. Uh, sorry for the late uh, lateness of this episode, but I hope it was uh, worth listening Dave's to. Dave's brain was trying <clears throat> to murder him. And still continues. Uh, we will be <laughs> back in a couple of weeks, week and a half, with our next episode of yep. uh, of Goose Chase. Yeah, I'll I'll pull something out of my ass. Yeah, that's the that's the Goose Chase promise. <laughs> yup. <laughs> uh, so we'll see you in a week and a half or so with another episode of Goose Chase. Goose Chase. <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod, and our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 